Hello, this is Amy McLaren from the Pilot's Wife podcast, where we talk about relationship tips and how to have a good one. Today, I'm going to talk about lockdown a little bit. I'm going to talk about billions of dollars. I'm going to talk about emotional availability a little bit, and I'm going to talk about expectations. So that's about it for the introduction today. Let's just jump straight into it. So here's the question. For those of us who don't have a picture-perfect relationship, who don't put our highlights reel on social media and pretend it's all rosy, where can I get some down-to-earth inspiration without any religious barriers? Who can give me real-life encouragement, help me be a better spouse, and tell me how to get an even more enriching relationship without becoming a doormat? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Amy McLaren, and this is the Pilot's Wife Podcast. This week, I and everyone else in Auckland was thrown into the deep end a little bit. On Sunday night, the government announced a level three lockdown for Auckland, which meant no school and and kindies and stuff like that for the kids, and basically staying at home, uh, apart from being able to go to the supermarket and stuff. And then the rest of the country was at level two, which meant they could still get out and about, but extra precautions and whatnot. And that's because there was... One family that um, that was out in the community that had a positive test for COVID. And so initially, well, so they said that was going to be for three days uh, from Monday until Wednesday night. Uh, and, and then with further announcement on Wednesday. And as it transpired, that infected family had been in a local Bunnings warehouse store, a home improvement store, that we'd also been to and at the same time and so there was um, all people that were in Bunnings at that between those hours that that other family were there were notified to go and get a, um, a test but not until Thursday so if, if we were there on Saturday we had to wait till Thursday to get the test um, which is the day after they'd said the lockdown was going to finish um, and so we all not only did we have to stay home for the three days of the lockdown and then on Wednesday um, they announced that we were going to go back to level two in Auckland Uh, but we also we still had to stay at home because we had to get the test the next day and then we couldn't do anything until it had been confirmed as negative and so we were in lockdown for the whole week and the we did pretty well actually I mean the kids were pretty good the the girls played together really nicely and I was relatively calm considering that I wasn't able to get any work done during the day and I did all my work at night until about 2am each night Uh, and then Josh let me sleep in a little bit in the morning so that um, I could kind of catch up a little bit while he sorted out breakfast and stuff and then he'd go downstairs and do his work for the whole day and I would look after the kids all day so crazy crazy and I think I think that, yeah, I think we did pretty well considering all that that was going on. Um, But I think part of it was just knowing that it wasn't going to be forever (laughs) and that that we were pretty sure we were going to get a negative result because of the fact that they went back to level two. But that's been my week and so everything is a little bit behind, including recording this podcast. And what I wanted to share today was, I'm just thinking thinking back, um, we were talking to some people about how how Josh and I got into this whole marriage thing and pre-marriage stuff years and years ago, back in 2006. <laughs> we, um, we were telling the story, and one thing that kind of 
now I think I've told the story in various parts over various different episodes, and I won't repeat myself, but one thing that um, that I remembered was all this kind of research that I found and that I'd done about marriage relationships and what they cost, you know, like the, the, the economy when they when they break down, when marriages break down. Uh, and so this kind of research and all these findings really reinforced the reason why I'm such a stickler for this whole healthy relationship stuff. Um, you know, like, first of all, it was just like, why would you want a crappy marriage when you can have a good one? So, you know, I was really motivated to find out how do you have a good marriage in the first place? And, and so we did a pre-marriage education or we did a pre-marriage course thing and uh, and it was at church and we realised that this wasn't really available to anyone outside of church and so we wanted to make that, we wanted to change that. But the other reason that it came to that came to my attention as I was doing all this research was the cost to the economy. And unfortunately in New Zealand, we're so little, we don't have anybody who's doing research on how much or estimates on how much it's going to cost the New Zealand economy. But in the US, there is um, an uh, institute that did some research in 2008 and they estimated that the cost to the US economy of broken relationships, like ma- broken marriages, was $112 billion. And so in New Zealand, we've got about a hundredth of the population of the US. And so, I mean, I'm estimating that it costs our government about $1 billion per year. Just on, it's things like social justice, it's like safety net services, like uh, like food stamps and social welfare and things like that. And, and then also healthcare. Healthcare costs go up and also the taxes go down. Um, and so I might have talked about that in, pre- in previous episodes, how married people are healthier, they have better health, they have um, more wealth together when they join their resources. And so those things are, you know, separated and 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 just kind of destroyed when, people, when couples separate. So like if you imagine that when you're living together, you've got so much kind of assets and whatever, and when you separate, you half that and you've each got half so really, you've kind of double. You've got got to double that when you're together, because you know, like, you, even though it's two of you, but you kind of jointly use the resources and whatever. Anyway, so the cost is huge to the to the government, and I know, like, so their total in, kind of income for each year is probably about 120 billion in New Zealand. So one billion, you know, that's that's just one percent, but it's it's still one percent, one whole percent of like billions of dollars. I, I still think. You know, it's it's kind of kind of pretty pretty major, and so um, when I found out all that information, it really got me extra enthusiastic about this stuff, and you know, just like what difference it can make uh, to our taxpayer dollar if um, you know if we have if we have healthy relationships and we and we stay together and, and work things out, and so um, you know, even just a, a small percentage change can equal you know millions of dollars. To to our economy because one billion, as I found out because I didn't know this is is one thousand million, and so there's a lot of millions. So you know, just even one kind of small percentage is, is you know anyway, it's a lot. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so that's why it's what I was uh, kind of looking back on because I just remembered that from our conversations and I just was reading into some research that I found back then. And I wanted to share something cool that I found, which is some research from some people called Parker and Scannell. And they did some they did some research on healthy attachment as an indicator for marriage success. So 
people who have kind of a t- healthy attachment with their people that are close to them as opposed to unhealthy, insecure kind of attachments or, or kind of avoiding kind of attachment behaviour. And so it was really interesting what they found that was kind of, you know, not even related to the attachment stuff. So even though that was a thing too for the research, but two major findings from this research was one was that husbands and wives who found marriage difficult, more difficult than expected had lower relationship satisfaction. So they expected one thing when they went into their marriage and then when they were in their marriage, it was not as not like they expected. It was um, it was more difficult than they expected. They were dissatisfied in their marriage, and so that you know that makes a whole lot of sense. That's you know our, our pre-marriage education is half or three quarters on expectation. So it's it's everything like bringing up stuff that you don't know you're expecting. You know, like when you're when you're getting really worked up about something and someone says to you well what did you expect and it's like yeah at least ask the question and wait for an answer because often we say what do you expect you know, as a rhetorical question what do you expect as in saying well you shouldn't have expected that but no really maybe sometimes we should ask that like what did you expect I'd really be keen to know and sometimes the answer might be well um, I don't know what I expected but it wasn't this but you know like you know if you dig down sometimes it might be well I expected that And that could be quite an interesting conversation to have. So anyway, and the other major finding from this research was where men were emotionally available before the marriage, there was a higher level of satisfaction. I don't know about you, but I find that really incredible (laughs) that that made so much difference to marriage satisfaction. But, you know, on the other hand, it makes so much sense. And I think, you know, there is a cultural aspect against us in New Zealand and and some other Western cultures where males are kind of encouraged not to feel and show emotion and be emotional. And that's definitely just a cultural thing because I've spent some time traveling around Italy and guys in Italy do not have a problem with this. And probably many other cultures um, in that part of the world and, and anywhere else that I haven't been. But... But in the in the culture that I've been brought up in the New Zealand, that's definitely a thing. Like don't don't cry, don't show your emotions, and don't talk about any emotions because it's not manly. And so, for the guys who uh, who grow up with that, and despite that, still find it in themselves, you know, against their cultural norm, to be able to share a little bit about how they're feeling and what they're thinking, and just being available to talk about stuff and not kind of shy away from it actually have more satisfying marriages so so it's not just more satisfying for the female both of them find it more satisfying and less difficult like like they don't say it's more difficult than they expected they say it was about the same as what they expected because they probably talked about stuff and knew what they're in for so uh, i i just think that's a, a a major kind of reminder that when when we're doing the pre-marriage education, if a guy isn't that used to sharing their emotional side a little bit, then then the, the stuff that we do is, is really cool. And even just, not pre-marriage, but even just married people, when a guy is becomes more emotionally available, it can change the situation around. And it's not even just about like starting to, I don't know, cry or be more emotional. It's actually... I mean, I always talk about objectivity and, and, and problem solving and stuff like that. It's actually just being able to figure out what's going on um, without shutting down. Because even though 
we think, oh, you know, I'm going to not be emotional. I'm just not going to go there. It's actually just a, a, an emotional response of shutting down and ignoring what's going on and, and not trying to figure it out. Um, and so what I, you know, constantly trying to talking about and trying to help couples with is just how to get objective in each situation and not be overcome by emotion, but just try and figure it out like a like an everyday problem. Like there's always something that you can that you can pinpoint this on, and if you can be objective enough to get to that point where you can pinpoint it, then you can resolve it, get rid of it, and it's gone. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because, you know, those are two cool major things and easy things in terms of, there's just two um, to kind of take note of that can turn a relationship around and make a huge difference to relationship satisfaction. So again, so one is getting your expectations out there so the other person knows about them and then you kind of when you bring them out to a conscious level you can also kind of analyze them yourself a little bit and go is that realistic or do I really care about that really Uh, or how can we make that happen and then the second thing is guys being a bit more um, uh, available to talk about stuff and you know I, I guess I'm saying that is a really generic stereotypical way and it's not like I think that guys aren't able to talk about this stuff. I just think there's a cultural thing that puts pressure on guys not to talk about this stuff. And I'm really just trying to push against it and go, it's just a cultural thing. It's not actually a real thing. And it's not actually something that helps in relationships. So if you want to ignore it, you can. You have permission to ignore that cultural thing and just go against it. It's kind of like how we talk about you know, nobody, it's nobody, nobody else's business if the female puts the rubbish out and oil puts changes the oil in the car, and the male does the ironing. Like, just it's just between you two. Nobody else needs to know about that stuff. If that's what you guys both want to have as your roles, then you know that's all good. And it's the same with this. Like, nobody else needs to know if you are okay. You know, talking about stuff in your relationship, but if you want to have a satisfying relationship and you want to talk about stuff then, you know, go ahead and do it because it's going to make a huge difference to your satisfaction. So I hope that's encouraged you. I really appreciate for listening. Thank you so much. And I hope you have an awesome week. I'll catch you next week. Kakite.